0: Welcome back to another author interview on Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And today we are so pleased to welcome Alexis Henderson, author of The Year of the Witching. Alexis' debut novel is a speculative fiction novel with elements of
1: horror set in a puritanical society that is the perfect book to read if you're in the mood for
0: something spooky this fall. Fear of the Witching is the story of Emmanuel Moore, a young girl living in Bethel, a rigid society where the prophet's word is law. But Emmanuel's existence is blasphemous in the eyes of the father, as her mother's union with an outsider of a different race cast her family into disgrace. After a mishap brings her to the dark woods, Emmanuel meets the spirits of the four powerful witches killed by the first prophet. They present her with the journal of her dead mother, which holds secrets Emmanuel never thought possible. Fascinated by the secrets, Emmanuel sets to discover the truth about the church and its history, determined to save home, her home from itself. Phoebe and I found this book absolutely
1: phenomenal, and we had an excellent conversation with Alexis which made it all that more much more amazing. Here's our conversation with Alexis.
0: Welcome, Alexis. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love if you could begin by telling your listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so um, I am a dark fantasy slash horror author. Um, My debut novel, The Year of the Witching, came out uh, July 21st, um, and I'm super excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I mean, we've gotten to speak to a lot of authors during... um,
0: I feel like it's just been like, you know, quote unquote, this time (laughs) Um, (laughs) about, you know, with how publishing is handling the pandemic. But what is it like being a debut novelist in 2020? You know,
2: it's weird. I've had a wonderful experience debuting during the pandemic. And I, I feel very fortunate for that because it was unexpected. I kind of thought there'd be like a lot of hardship and disappointment involved just because that's kind of, you know, the nature of this year. But um I feel really lucky in that I, I felt so supported and um, just kind of embraced by the writing and publishing community uh, throughout the process of uh, debuting. So yeah, that's been a highlight of this year. There haven't been many highlights, <laughs> um, I think in, you know, in 2020, but for me, uh, the reception that this book has received and like all of the love and support I, um, I have received from um, the people in this community has been, it's been wonderful.
0: That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I think um there was a discussion um on Twitter, I think recently about how to do readers and authors and booksellers feel about all the virtual events that have been happening. And I personally have loved it because there's been so many more that I've been able mm-hmm. to participate in because I don't have I'm an actor, so my evenings are my busy time normally. so I haven't um, I've been able to attend more of these types of events than I would normally. I mean, like anything in life, there's blessings to it and there's hardships. Um, but I'm glad that you've had a good experience. And like I mentioned, I am an actor. So I couldn't help but think of The Crucible while reading The Year of the Witching. Um, yes. So I was wondering what inspired you.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was definitely inspired by like stories like The Crucible and, and um the Salem Witch Trials and history. Mm-hmm. Um, I drew inspiration from so many different places. For the witches, there was a lot of research involved, and um, I kind of just tried to educate myself broadly uh, on witchcraft and the occult. Um, I didn't want it to be inspired by any one practice, uh, um, but I did kind of draw a lot of inspiration from different places. Um, And so it was kind of just like a culmination of a lot of the things that I found cool or interesting. Yeah,
1: I've learned a lot about like the occult and witches through literature in the past couple years, and it's been I I thought that this book was absolutely fantastic. It had everything that I love about like dark fantasy and kind of like thriller thriller thrilling books. Um, but this is really definitely falls into that speculative fiction slash horror um, marriage. And so is there a reason that like drew you to that genre
2: or um, has this been always something that's fascinated you? Yeah, I, you know, I love spec- speculative fiction and I love horror. And so I think um, kind of marrying dark fantasy and the elements that I really enjoy um, from that genre with horror, it w- just felt really natural to me um, because, you know, as a writer, I tend to just pursue the things that I'm most interested in and that I like the best. So um it seemed like a natural progression to kind of um bring those two together and kind of um create something new um in yeah. doing so.
0: Yeah.
2: When did I you was,
1: start writing it?
2: Uh I so I graduated in 2017. I wrote it my senior year of um college. So I think that was 2017. Yeah. Um it was the second semester of my senior year. Um And yeah, it it was it was really interesting. There was like a lot of writing, you know, in classes when Mm -hmm. professors thought I was taking notes and like writing in the library or the writing (laughs) center, you know, wherever I could kind of cram in, you know, that like kind of carve out the time basically to tell a story. Um, It was fun.
1: That's amazing, because I remember looking at your author note and seeing that you that you had written it when you were in college. And I remember I was a creative writing major and I remember those classes, all the workshop and all that. So did did a lot of like your classmates kind of have input on this book before it became, you know, the year of the witching in its final form?
2: Yeah, so the year of the witching, um, I kind of sneakily made the f- not the entire first act, but like the first maybe two chapters of the book were my senior thesis. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of allowed me to um, write the book and still be doing uh, my my college work at the same time. Um, it was very crafty. And so um, I got input from um, some of my peers and my professor on the first two chapters, two or three-ish chapters of, um, the Year of the Witching. And they actually didn't change all that much. And I, I do think that, um, a lot of that could be attributed to their, uh, feedback at that early stage. Yeah. That's awesome. I
0: mean, you kind of did, like, the work of an MFA while doing your undergrad. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend that like taking those workshop classes if they're available, mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, you build so many creative muscles when you're um, learning how to incorporate the critiques and opinions of other people. Um, it's just it's a great exercise for sure. Do you
0: have any specific um, authors or even maybe your teachers or peers who inspire your writing?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm. Continually inspired by my peers, um, Rena Baron, the author of *Kingdom of Souls* and the forthcoming mm-hmm. uh, middle grade novel *Maya and the Rising Dark*, I was a friend of mine, and I'm really inspired by her. Um, her craft and her work ethic is amazing. Um, as for other authors I'm inspired by, N.K. Jemison comes to mind. I'm in mm-hmm. awe of her. I think about her book every single day. <laughs> um, that's what I people
0: really say. Like I'm in the middle of the fifth season, and um, everyone says like it's what it like. It stays with you so much. It does. It does. Yeah. And I can I can see that
1: I, I really do think that I got like, your writing style is that same kind of like mesmerizing prose that she ha- has in her novels too, Um that oh just like, God, keeps you know, nice <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god, thank you.
1: <laughs> I know, but seriously, I like every chapter and I love the way that it was told in different parts. So for anybody listening who hasn't had the chance to pick it up yet, d- definitely do. It's told in different parts. And as you read the book, you know what's coming next because you know there are these four things. Um, and I felt it was just compulsively readable every chapter, and they were nice and short. And uh, I I I I found it um, mesmerizing in the same way that I found the Broken Earth series.
2: Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. Thank yeah, you.
1: I, and I've had so much fun following along on your um, Instagram too. And I love that you have like a little writing highlight, which I think is, is really great for aspiring um, writers or even readers to kind of see. So what is kind of your biggest tip for anybody that is in the process of writing a book for staying focused and committed to your, the long haul of your story?
2: Oh, that's a great question. What, what made all the difference for me was um, making a habit to finish the books that I started mm-hmm. um, early on. I tended to, uh, to write 10,000 or 30,000 words of a book and then abandon it for an idea I thought was better, but there's a lot of merit in, in finishing what you start and, and building that habit. Um, you know, because what I came to realize was that I didn't really know how to write books. I knew how to write, you know, act one of a book. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I began to finish stories, there's a a certain kind of clarity that that you um, achieve when you get all the way to the end of a project and look back on it. Um, So I think that's so important. Yeah.
0: It's a discipline, like really getting yourself there. Um, But this book is like, we're very refreshingly feminine and it seems that like especially throughout history witches have been used to represent like stereotypes of like the quote unquote worst aspects of womanhood especially in Puritanical literature um have you seen
2: like an evolution of the role of witches in literature over time yeah i think I think I have seen a, a progression. I think before witches weren't really cast as sympathetic characters. They were kind of just villains and the approach to witches was very black and white. They were evil and they did bad things and deserved to be punished. And now I think that we have more compassionate portrayals of witches, um, more complex and interesting. And um, and, I, and I think that's a testament to the fact that people are sort of inspired by this idea of women channeling um, their power into like the greater good or or not, or not even the greater good into just like their own claiming their own will and their own agency um yeah you know in my book i, I focus a lot on female rage and and um and kind of like uh, elements and themes like revenge um and then the claiming of power and you know i think that examining which is that way um as characters that are kind of commendable and heroic in their own dark and twisted way is um, something that's definitely become more popular and um, for good reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love, I, I like Phoebe mentioned, I loved Emmanuel as a, as a lead, as a character. I was rooting for her every step of the way. Um, and she bears so much in this novel. She's got the perceived sins of her parents, of kind of being labeled an outsider because she was you know, born in the dark wood, um, and other things that I can't say without giving away too many spoilers, but she never lets these burdens that were very much inflicted on her by the people of Bethel from, stop her from her desire to protect and save Bethel. Um, where did you draw inspiration for Emmanuel's strength?
2: I really just wanted to, to believe that someone could be that good and that resilient. And yeah. I wanted to know what that looked like. And when I first started writing, there was this kind of almost uh, childlike purity or innocence about her character and her unwavering faith mm-hmm. in, in the greater good. And that the people of Bethel were worth saving and that, you know, the future could be better than the present. And I was kind of awed yeah. by that because I'm more pessimistic than she is and certainly less brave. And, um, so it almost kind of seemed was like, oh, this is almost too good to be true, Like that someone could believe um, in the greater good in such an earnest way. And I wanted to kind of explore the nuances of that uh, yeah. character.
0: I yeah. love her. She's definitely one of my new favorite literary heroines. Um, Thank you. Especially because your book deals with a lot of power dynamics and social change. And obviously it is a work of fiction. Um, but I still felt like, you know, we as readers can pull a lot um, from it. So how do you think that fiction can bring about social change?
2: Um, I, I often say that, you know, fi- and I've heard other people say this as well, fiction is kind of like an exercise in empathy because mm-hmm. you're kind of um, being asked to... Um, dwell with a character sometimes like you know literally in their body and kind of experience the world through their eyes and in doing that you can live through um things that you might um you wouldn't have otherwise been able to Mm -hmm. and so I think that when it comes to social change and like you know understanding and perspectives that you may not have lived or may not fully understand I think that fiction is a really unique way um to do that um and I think that the closeness of like um um, emotion and, and kind of the rawness of that um where you're really like feeling what this character feels is so it's such a valuable tool when it comes to helping us understand and live experiences that are not our own. Exactly. I
1: think that's the most powerful thing about fiction and um, like everything from like Emmanuel and Ezra's relationship. I felt like that was (sighs) such a powerful dynamic to see and like how you were mentioning before, like how she's, she's so good. And you could, you could sense that, in the beginning when Ezra was like kind of pushing back or saying things that he wasn't supposed to, she was like scared, like, can I say how I really feel right now? Or do I have to, you know, keep up this image of like, you know, how I need to be how I need to be betrayed by other people? Like, can I trust him and all that? Um, I felt that that was a really powerful thing for us as readers to see.
0: I also Thank loved Ezra. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I call him my uh, disaster child or, like, my dumpster boy <laughs> because he's a bit of a mess, but, like, yeah. he, he means well. His heart's in the right place.
1: <laughs> he means so well. I feel like he's a perfect example of the type of character where he's got so much privilege and he's given, like, such a powerful position, and yet he and what he does is he, like, for better or for worse or for, like, whether he intentionally does it or not, he really does kind of, like, use that privilege to, like, help Emmanuel a little bit so that she can do the hard work that she, she does throughout this novel and be the heroine that everybody needs and needs to see.
2: Yeah. I like that about him too. I think he does a good job of um, kind of giving her the mic and I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that he knows when to like step out of the way. I think that's commendable.
0: Where did his inspiration come from as a character?
2: You know, I think that Ezra just, he was one of those characters that he just appeared and the whole story just kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the first image I think that I got of Ezra was, um, the the first chapter of the book when he, um, Emmanuel and Leah are picnicking by the river and Ezra's there. And, you know, I saw him with such clarity and he had just so much life and energy. And, um, I was like kind of immediately intrigued by him. And, um, yeah, so I don't know where my inspiration for him came from. I think that I just kind of wanted to believe that, that there is someone in this kind of twisted society that, you know, had a lot of privilege and could do horrible things with it, but so was still kind of like good and earnest, even if, um, even if, you know, Ezra has a lot of failings, he does, he does try. And I think that that alone, um, you know, is to to his credit.
1: Yeah. Um, And, and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier about this power of like hope and um, a better future. And I love that this story felt like it wasn't just good versus evil. And in fact, it felt like, the two main power struggles in this um, book, which are the the witches and the, the church, or the the prophecy um, that they like one or the other doesn't represent good or evil. Um, it's kind of like all a bunch of gray area. Uh, but what is the one good thing is this promise of a better future and Emmanuel like oh, pushing that forward and and choosing to believe in that. Is that something that you kind of intended to? To, did, it, did you intend for it to come out that way or is that just kind of how Emmanuel like brought you forward in this, in this story?
2: Yeah, I think that was definitely Emmanuel Emmanuel, And I think, you know, I'm grateful that she, um, that she possesses that because I think it's a, it's a good contrast to all the darkness in the story. I think it's nice when it's balanced with a little bit of light and a little bit of hope um, so that you feel like you're just not kind of like lost. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of, her hope was kind of like a North Star because the story does go to some very yeah. dark places, and, um, but um, Emmanuel was the reason why I felt like there was a way out, um, you know, so, yeah, I think that was all her, um, and I sometimes wonder how different the story would have been in the hands of a character that was more cynical, or um, that didn't, you know, more pessimistic, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I, I love listening to you talk about your story. It's so magical. <laughs> and it's always
1: so great to hear, like, a little bit about, like, how I love when um, writers say that their characters brought them to a place or helped, like, that they came before them in, like, a very f- vivid way. It always, it just, like, it makes it feel, um, it makes me feel like they're even more alive than they already are in
2: my own mind. yeah. That is cool. As a reader, I love hearing authors talk about that, too. Um, yeah. Um, well, I think uh, it probably is completely wild to
0: especially with when it's your first book to imagine um, people actually reading your book and, you know, letting them into this world that you've held dear for I mean, for a very long time, three years, um, probably even longer as it was like floating around in your head. Um, and obviously right now we've been seeing a huge push for further representation in the publishing industry. And what do you want your readers to get from your work? And I mean, especially Black readers, Black aspiring writers, um, what are you hoping that they take away from this story and what you've accomplished with it?
2: I hope that, you know... For the readers, I, I just hope they're encouraged by Manuel's journey and, and the fact that, you know, she creates a space for herself in a world that's sort of hostile to people like her. Um, I was certainly inspired by that. Um, and, you know, I hope that other people take comfort in in her her struggles and her turmoils, but also kind of feel the same triumph when she, you know, not to reveal too much, but <laughs> as she struggles to, like, overcome um, the, the things that she faces in the story. And then, um, for other writers and authors and creators, I just hope that, you know, they understand that there is a place for um, us. There's a place for, you know, marginalized voices and that, you know, we, we belong here as much as anyone else. And we have, you know, stories to tell that are as valuable as anyone else's. And I just hope that they kind of believe that, you know, they can do it because they can.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. And uh, speaking on the the ending and not trying to give away too much... I I love the way it ended. I thought the epilogue was a very satisfying way to conclude everything. But I'm holding out hope. Do we have any uh, promises of a sequel, maybe?
2: Yes, I'm working <gasps> on it right now, actually. <gasps> oh, good.
1: Okay. okay. There's, there's one part, and I won't say it because of spoilers, but there's one thing in the very last chapter that I thought, oh, I think that she's teasing a sequel. I do. And so I'm very happy to hear that.
2: Yes, there will be a sequel. I'm in the process of writing it, and it's been um, an adventure so far. I'm really excited to be able to share that and to continue Emmanuel's journey. So yeah, I'm thrilled that I get to write it. Um, is there like a huge
0: difference in the process of writing a sequel versus writing the first book?
2: yes definitely you know i didn't realize that i had no idea how to write a sequel i kind of figured out you know more of the same it's definitely totally different um the way that i have to kind of convey information and recap is something and but you know not be too repetitive is um it's a balancing act is interesting um to kind of cover old material and kind of refresh the reader and refresh myself honestly and then um also reveal so much more about the world and the characters so yeah Yeah.
0: well I cannot wait
2: this is just a stunning
0: debut and it was such a joy to speak with you today Um, we cannot thank you enough for joining us Um, we truly truly loved your novel and can't wait for more people to read it
2: thank you so much for having me I had a great time talking to both of you
0: I am obsessed with Alexis. I think that was such a fun interview, and I truly loved this book. And as we know from the last couple um, author interviews that we've done, I am not a thriller reader. I'm not a horror reader. And I really was able to appreciate this novel and um, for the magic, magical elements, the um, I, like I said in the interview I'm a huge fan of The Crucible and I don't think there's anything better than supporting an author who is just a delightful human absolutely I think Alexis' book is
1: spectacular one of the best debut novels I've read especially in a genre that is I think very difficult to write in and we can't wait to watch
0: Alexis's career develop and see where she goes next Definitely. So if you enjoyed today's author interview, we'd love if you could leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and go follow Alexis on social media. Buy her book. It is the perfect book for fall to get spooky and cozy and a little scary. And as soon as you're able to,
1: pre-order the second book, it's going to follow the year of the witching. I cannot wait. Thank you so much to Alexis for letting us know that that is on the horizons. And as always, stop by today's Instagram post at read it or list it Pod with your thoughts on today's author interview. We want to know if the year of the witching has made it onto
0: your fall TBR. We are still on hiatus until September 9th, but you can check us out on Instagram. I'm at readandwrite. And I'm at underscore shelflove
1: underscore. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Pod. All rights reserved, 2020.